0: Welcome to the Mobile Arcade Club, a podcast about playing and discussing cool mobile games together, especially those featured on Apple Arcade. I'm Chris, and he's Stephen. Every two weeks, we'll pick some games to focus on, so please play along and share your thoughts as part of the club. By listening, you are now an honorary arcade friend, so we think you're pretty great. This episode, we discuss Apple Arcade games letting you listen to other audio the impact of subscription services on people playing games, and we also discuss this episode's selection of games, Overland, Projection First Light, and Grindstone. G'day and welcome to another episode of the Mobile Arcade Club. You're joined by me, Chris, and my good friend Stephen. Say hello, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Yeah, good on you, mate. Yeah, nice one. (laughs) Uh, But anyways, we... Have, as we always do, we have a few little topical points of discussion to go over before we talk about this episode's games, which, uh, if you listened to last episode, you'd know those games are Overland, Projection First Light, and Grindstone. But before we jump into those, one of the interesting things that we've discovered over the last couple of weeks is some of the Apple Arcade games have different approaches to letting us all listen to different sources of audio, because some people like to chill out with games or listening to podcasts, such as the Mobile Arcade Club, and if you don't, I highly recommend you do so, uh, but also listening to your own music. So, Stephen, this was something that you came across and brought my attention to. So, what's this all about? Oh, well, I was very thankful when I noticed there was the update for
1: Grindstone that came through earlier this week that allows you to play Grindstone with other music in the background and. I found that to be a game that works quite well. It's it has its own nice music, which I'm sure we'll touch on when we actually talk about the game. But it's the kind of game that you can play with your own soundtrack without taking too much away from the game. And yeah, I noticed this was a thing that you know some games are letting you, some aren't. And I noticed a an article on Vice.com uh, talking about they investigated a little bit into why this is how it is. And for for games made in Unity, at least, there's literally a checkbox as to whether you want to mute other audio or not. And I guess it comes down to the developer making a conscious choice as to whether they want to allow other other audio to be uh, played in the background while the game is being played. And yeah, I found it quite interesting. Some games were, or some developers, I should say, specifically saying we do not want to have music in the background of this game because we've crafted a very specific experience which they feel will be lessened by having some random uncontrolled music playing in the background which is fair but at the same time there are some games that are more than happy to let you use it, such as I think Skate City is one that's brought up in in the article. Mm. And from what I can tell of that game, it looks like the kind of game where it'd be perfectly fine to have you know whatever tunes you want in
0: the background set your own vibe, my dude. Yeah, and it's really interesting uh, with Skate City in particular because I've, I've pulled a quote from the article that I'll, I'll paraphrase that is a person by the name of Ryan Cash, who is the founder and creative director of built by snowman who are responsible for skate city but they're also responsible for another game on apple arcade called where cards fall and i'll paraphrase a quote here that the uh they intentionally disabled players accessing uh, out of the game audio while playing where cards fall uh, because the sound design they felt was really important to the game's unique atmosphere and want to make sure that all players experience the same thing whereas uh, ryan cash said however skate city go for your life you know play whatever audio listen to whatever podcast or that sort of thing while you're playing the game so it's, it's an interesting approach to sort of how the creators want players to experience games and also allowing player choice as well. outside of that, I think it particularly interesting with
1: mobile is I guess people are playing mobile in less controlled situations. You're not necessarily sitting in front of a TV with a sound Mm. system. And I know in the past, a lot of games would say, we want you to have headphones for this game, Mm. but how many people necessarily did, you can never really control it. It's yeah. It's interesting because yeah, there are games that definitely benefit from having a controlled environment and, I don't know. It's interesting to see whether they will mm. actually fit in this sort of environment, as well as other
0: more—I uh, I hate to say the word casual, but more uh, less committal games. Sure, sure, and and that's it's a valid point. It's mm. not it's not uh, punching down on those games. It's just saying that these are ones that you can play more idly while listening to another source of audio. Mm. But just quickly before we jump into this episode's games that we've been playing, I want to very quickly talk about Xbox and. To those listening, you may be thinking, well, hang on, we're we're listening because of mobile games. Why are you talking about Xbox? But throughout the week, Xbox came out with some, or Microsoft rather, came out with some very interesting statistics around their subscription service. Uh, Some of you may know is Xbox Game Pass. So some of the statistics that have come out are that Xbox Game Pass users are playing 40% more games than they would have outside the service and 91% of respondents said that they played a title that they would not previously have considered and that there's also 30% more genre variety being played by users of their subscription service. So I thought that was really really interesting that these subscription services are allowing for more choice and people are feeling more likely to dive into something that they wouldn't originally which i found interesting Stephen, it totally makes sense i feel
1: i've had similar thoughts with apple arcade personally there Mm. are games that if if i was paying you know five ten dollars a pop i probably might not take the risk on them because i don't know if i like them but if i can just download it give it a try if i like it hooray i found a fantastic new game i wouldn't have tried otherwise Mm. if i don't like it i've lost 10 minutes of my life i'm not really going to cry about it and i think yeah the same clearly is uh holding for xbox game pass it's it's yeah, it's interesting. It lets you be a lot more experimental and and be less beholden to the money it costs to try something. Especially in, I, I we're lucky in Australia where with most places, if you don't like a game, you can return it. There's yeah. sort of no questions asked. But I don't believe that's the case in many other places in the world. So you you know spend a fair chunk of money on a game, you don't like it, you're stuck with it. You either have to resell it or something. It's just a whole a whole thing. But yeah, I, this sounds pretty accurate that it, this gives you an opportunity to try a whole bunch
0: of new things you might not have even thought about otherwise. Definitely. And I'm looking forward to uh, potentially in the near future when Apple uh, release some data that, that they've collected from Apple Arcade. And I reckon it'll reflect some pretty similar numbers. But enough about the numbers. We'll make sure to post the links to both of the, the articles that we've referenced there in our show show notes and on social media so you can read in more detail. But now, let's get into the games. Let's start with a game called Overland, which is developed and published by a studio called Fingy. So, Overland, it's yeah. a very, very interesting sort of grid-based strategy game, and it's very, very hard. It's, yeah, uh, utterly brutal. I...
1: Yeah, I found it really difficult in so many different ways to to understand what's going on. It doesn't have so much of a, a lead into how the game plays. It's very... To, to give an idea of what the game actually is, you're a character starting on the east coast of the U.S. Mm. and you want to get to the west coast of the U.S., and it's also post-apocalyptic time, so horrible I don't quite know what the creatures are I think they're just referred to
0: as creatures in the game description yeah. They're sort of like locusts from the Gears of War games Because they're burrowed up from underneath the earth Yeah, and they've got blue shiny sort of heads
1: or whatever they are Claws,
0: Now I don't
1: know, I don't like them They make disgusting no. clicky noises Very reminiscent of Last of Us creatures, which don't love that No, nah, none um, of that please But yeah, you're essentially wanting to drive from one side of the US to the other, and along the way, many things are conspiring to stop you from doing that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so you'll find people along the way. You'll find, I don't know if you had this, but you find dogs along the way, Chris. uh, I wasn't lucky enough to find a dog in my playtime. I'm devastated. Well, hmm, maybe it's not such a bad thing, because as hard as it is to keep people alive, it's exactly as hard to keep dogs alive. And yeah, uh, yeah, it's a lot. You can't pet the dog either. Uh, At least I didn't notice the option. But, yeah, you can – yeah, you're needing to go these small little scenes. You'll make a choice as to where to go. Some places will take more fuel to get to than others, but it'll say, you know, there's fuel here, there's supplies here, there's a person here. And you sort of make the choice as to whether you want to spend the fuel to go somewhere and risk dying when you get there. Mm-hmm. It's And, yeah, you have to constantly make these choices about what you want to do in the hopes that you'll be able to make it a little bit further during this run, because it's definitely a game designed for multiple runs. Yes. You're not going to win the first, second, third, fourth, tenth time. Yeah, and it's different each time, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it's randomly generated, I believe. So one of those games where your success can sometimes be... Uh, dictated by the roll of the dice a little bit, you might mm. just get a series of really bad scenes that is going to be really difficult to get through, mm. or you might get a really good roll and you know make it further than you ever have before. But it's hard to really control that when it's as random as it is. Mm.
0: And it's it's a sort of game where it's more about survival and resource management as opposed to combat because. Uh, someone might look at this on the surface and think, oh, it's it's like a game like XCOM, which is really about managing your units on a grid and trying to get in the best spaces for combat but here you want to avoid combat as much as possible because resources for actual combat are very limited mm. and if you attack or kill one of these creatures they emit these horrible sounds that summon more creatures and yeah. make make your lives even more difficult so yeah, it's really, really tricky to manage fuel manage your unit's health and other resources that are necessary for survival in this game yes, yeah I'm, I found as as difficult as it is, I did find it quite quite a compelling sort of game and its presentation is, is quite slick and quite good. And I think, uh, as you mentioned, the, the sound design in particular for this game is very, very well done. It's very good. It Extremely. Makes, it makes your skin crawl and you've got these regular sort of ominous synth drones in the background just really hammering down the tension of, uh, yeah, this this overland setting of this, you know, this uh, North America's gone to hell sort of setting. So it's it's pretty full on. Uh, so I wouldn't exactly recommend this to players new to the genre. Yes, yeah, i I'm not a
1: massive turn-based strategy person and the fact that it doesn't really give you much... Uh, much in the way of tutorial or i guess any guidance in how to play whatsoever it's Mm. really you learn by screwing up and dying and having horrible Mm. things happen and yeah i found i found it quite difficult to get into once Mm. i'd once i kind of worked out the flow of you know what characters can do how to manage inventory what the things you pick up can do the it took me a long time to discover that you can open like the big bins to find supplies in there. Yeah. Sort of, we'd go to a, a supply area or a place where it said would be supplies. And I just left because it didn't look like there was anything there. But sure, yeah. Yeah, come back on later ones and realize, oh, you can just open the bin and there's, I don't know, a med kit in there or whatever. But yes, it was, it's, it's oppressively difficult. It's, mm. it does everything it possibly can to make you have a
0: bad. Not a bad time. A bad time in-game, not yes. a bad time playing it, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Although a lot of people may find the difficulty of this uh, overland off-putting. So it, it does have a pretty high barrier to entry. And I think it it does a reasonable job of communicating some of the in-game systems uh, sort of organically. Because hmm. as you said, with the with the bin scavenging, I discovered that because a character, a bit of dialogue, text dialogue came up saying, oh, there might be something in the bin here. So I thought, Mm. okay, I'll investigate the bin. And lo and behold, there was some stuff in there that I could use. But again, it's not very uh, explicit in its communication. It's very implicit. So it's it's a bit difficult to get into in more ways than one. But one thing I I would like to, to praise about Overland in addition to the sound design is that I think it does a really good job of creating sort of unique and organic stories throughout. Absolutely. Because yeah. if you if you recruit a particular team member and you've traveled, you know, a fair amount of the distance of North America with this one character and all of a sudden they're in a grave situation where you may have to leave them to die in order for everyone else to survive, mm. you think, "Oh heck, you know, I'm actually quite attached to this this person." What what do I do? And there's a number of sort of emergent stories as part of that. And as you said, you came across a a dog. And by the sounds of things, I'm not going to go into great detail, but it sounds like the dog didn't have a great ending. Nobody did
1: in this particular run. The dog was very, very useful. You can use them to to bark and attract attention, but it didn't attract enough attention and everybody died. Yes. So...
0: (laughs) Overland, yeah, is is quite good. Uh, despite despite you know the the grim nature of it, it, it is quite good in creating that really tense and gripping atmosphere and creating some of those uh, some of those stories that you think about well beyond each run. Mm. So it, it is it is really well designed in in that aspect. But one one of the difficulties that we were speaking about this off air that we both had difficulties with this in terms of the the controls of the game mm. in particular the the touch controls on a phone screen i'm using a 10r mm. and it's got a reasonable size screen but i found it really fiddly and difficult to control on a phone screen yeah i was playing on an iphone 10
1: and so the same thing but worse pretty much there's a much smaller screen than the 10r has and i found myself having to tap buttons three or four times before it would actually be on the right touch target i guess Mm. i did find things improve quite a lot when a controller's involved so i managed to get one of the cool little phone controller mounts this week and overland's one of the main things i played with it and it yeah it improved things immensely Mm. i imagine i didn't get a chance to try it out uh, on a mac but i imagine a mouse and keyboard would probably be the best way to play this even more so than a controller yeah so um that might be worth a try if you're not uh, put off by by the difficulty discussion that we've
0: had so far. Yes, yeah, I, and I would agree. I, I don't have a Mac or a MacBook myself, but this is absolutely a game I believe would be best played with a mouse and keyboard for better precision and being able to identify potential moves or objects and that sort of thing yeah. before you actually commit to a move. And I, I will say... Uh, Overland does, um, and I'm not suggesting that they accommodated for the control specifically, but if you, uh, except for combat, if you move to a particular tile and don't like where you've put someone, there is an undo button to undo that previous move, which that that, that, is, that is handy. Yes, absolutely. I made a liberal use of that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So... Ultimately, I, I did enjoy my time with Overland, but it's it's not one that I will be returning to on a super regular basis, but I did appreciate the time that I spent with it. Yeah, I feel the same. I, now that, as we were talking off air, you pointed
1: out, why don't you try it on a Mac? And now I really do want to go back and try it because I feel like that may mean the difference between me finding a little bit uh, fiddly to play with and,
0: you know, really enjoying it. Mm. We'll see. I'm, I'm going to give it a bit more of a try, I think certainly so that's overland and moving on to the next game a game called Projection First Light which developed by Shadowplay Studios and published by Blowfish Studios so this is one that's been made in Australia so represent the Aussies yes and this this one's quite quite an interesting game it's it's all in a it's a 2D platformer puzzle sort of game and everything is presented as if they're all shadow puppets, like mm. a, a shadow puppet play, which is quite a really interesting setting. And I think it, it would be easy to make comparisons to a game like Limbo, which mm. is very well known for its use of shadows and, and dark silhouettes and that sort of thing. But I feel Projection First Light does a really good job of having its own, uh, almost, yeah, that, that real shadow puppet diorama sort of style. So mm. it's quite, quite unique. Uh, in its in its presentation, and I think it looks it looks really nice on yeah. on both phone. Or I played most of it on Apple TV with an Xbox controller.
1: I think yeah, especially given that it looks heavily influenced by Indonesian cultural artwork, mm. and, and from what I understand, that is the cultural background of some of the developers, and that mm. was very much intentional. Mm. And I think that gives it its own very unique aesthetic that i haven't seen really you you look at the as you brought up limbo the whole silhouette idea yes you could there's a very shallow comparison i guess to make there but yeah it definitely is its own thing with its very complex shadow play i guess it has the all of the objects on screen will be an intricate web of like yeah lines and shapes and such whereas
0: Mm. rather than just being a solid silhouette like in limbo for example yeah because you can sort of see the the I I don't know the technical term for it as such, you know, Mm. like the the, the sticks and strings that are used to sort of manipulate the puppets and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's got a very, very unique presentation, which I think works quite well. And its presentation leads directly into
1: the core game mechanic as well, Mm. in that. while you're playing you discover a way to control a light source on screen which is separate from your character Mm. and that light source when moved behind and around other objects in the environment can create a solid black shadow which since your character is a shadow can they can use that shadow as a a new platform and so that can be manipulated by moving the light source around different different uh, objects in the environment which yeah i think is a really interesting use of it keeps the aesthetic is there for more than just visual reasons.
0: It is a core gameplay mechanic, which is really cool. Yeah, it's always nice when not not that it's necessary for games to do this, but it's always really, really cool to see games sort of use, you know, function and form and aesthetics all in the one sort of uh, package. Hmm. So here, as as you've noted, it, it does it quite cleverly in terms of being able to manipulate this light source and angle it behind or above or below certain platforms or objects to create solid shadows to then use as platforms to navigate the the levels mm. which I think it is really cleverly done I think that the main the main issue I had with projection first light was I felt it didn't quite innovate or iterate on that key light and shadow mechanic uh, enough to to sort of give enough variety to, to sustain it throughout the, the entirety of the game. Uh, however my my hat off entirely, you know, to, to the team working on this game. Mm. It is a very clever mechanic and, you know, so beautifully designed as well, but it just didn't quite sustain my my interests, you know, for you know, as as long as the uh, the sort of the whole of the game.
1: Yeah, I found myself in a fairly similar situation. I I like there were a couple of little ways that it iterated on the whole shadow play concepts, like in that you can physically manipulate objects in the environment and use those to cast shadows, for example, or there'd be parts where you might need to move the light source and move the shadow along with your character so you could sort of create a moving platform in a way. Mm. There were there were interesting ways that it got iterated upon, but I don't know if whether it was a pacing issue or what, but it just didn't, it didn't keep my interest really. I kind of found myself doing the same thing enough that I wasn't really wanting, I found myself going back to it more out of obligation than anything, which I'm, yeah, it sounds horrible. It's It's not quite that bad, but yeah, it was a little, it could use some variety, let's say.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree, and uh, I would uh, would like to make a note that it does look really nice on Apple TV, and mm. playing it with a controller is, yeah, absolutely the, the best way to, to play this game. Yes, I didn't touch it on mobile, huh? but yeah,
1: um, I think it is entirely playable with touchscreen controls, because I think it kind of has to be, yeah. but I wouldn't recommend it, I, I think this is definitely one, because you want to have, you, you control your main character with one stick, and the light source with the right stick, it's... Yeah that's going to be quite difficult to do with a touchscreen, I suspect.
0: Yeah, and I think it does really well using the both the analog sticks sort of independently of one another, you know, using that light source and controlling the uh, the, the little girl um, that is uh, the protagonist. Mm. And speaking of the, the little girl, gee, she finds herself in some dilemmas. It's, yeah. It's re- really, uh, yeah, from from the get-go, she's heading off to what I assume is a, a day of school, and she gets in trouble for, for stealing some fruit from a, a, a grocery store, and then she's chasing this, this beautiful butterfly which ends up sort of, Morphing or inspiring this source of light Which you use throughout the game um, And somehow it leads to her vandalising a police car along the way So yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a very um, It's a whole event It's it's quite, uh, quite dramatic how it all unfolds But uh, that leads me to the question, Stephen Would you commit crime for a shiny butterfly?
1: Yes, the answer is yes And I'll take no
0: further questions at this time Fair enough <laughs> <laughs> that's Projection First Light for you. Let's move on to our final game that we're discussing on this episode of the Mobile Arcade Club, and that's a game called Grindstone. Now, Stephen, I know you really enjoyed this one, so I'm going to let you take this away. Yeah, gosh, I feel like every time we have a, a set of games that we play for this show,
1: one of them always ends up being the standout for the Fortnite, and yeah, yeah Grindstone was absolutely that for me. It's The art style is incredible. It's like a really... Cute, well, not cute. Very cool, um, cartoony style, but mm. also you play a a big, strong Viking man. I guess I, I'm not quite sure if it's actually Viking, but just you know, a man with a sword and a helmet and big muscles and such. Mm. Um, and yeah, I I sort of looked at screenshots initially. I it didn't really grab me to begin with because it looked a little bit like a match three, which I feel like I've played my enough of those for a lifetime at this point. Yes, but um, no, it's there's absolutely more to it. I, the entire premise of the game was that you Uh, You can sort of draw a line. uh, You'll have a grid grid in front of you that is filled with differently colored creatures, objects, whatever it may be. And you can draw a line between similarly colored creatures and just do a combo of all those. But if you get 10 in a row, a grindstone will appear. And if you manage to touch that grindstone, you can then choose a different color to begin your combo with so mm. or to, to continue your combo with so you could get a whole bunch of yellow ones find a grindstone and then oh look there's a line of blue ones right next to the grindstone so you can continue your combo with a different color and it adds a whole bunch of other elements into it like enemies that require a certain power level to be able to defeat or crates mm. to break it's yeah it, it really
0: got its hooks in me this one Yeah, because depending on how large or how long your combo goes for, that sort of dictates what your power level is. So for some of those enemies that require maybe a a power level 5 to to defeat, then that means you need to have had at least a combo of 5 leading up to moving to that space Mm -hmm. to then... Uh, then I think it'll subtract that power level from your combo yes uh, and then you you can by all means keep going but you yeah need to work up that power level to destroy crates or defeat certain enemies or some some enemies I think require uh, correspond to a different color so you need to work up a combo of a particular color mm. uh, to defeat them so that adds a bit more variety and challenge and then there's some sort of uh you know little boss encounters as well which have their own unique uh concepts in play as well but yeah it's 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 really really cool and i think it's uh really really nifty how they've sort of married the know this this cartoony viking slash nordic sort of setting uh in with all of the uh the soundscape and the gameplay as well mm. it just it just feels really nice and cohesive and as as you were saying and as, as we were discussing earlier about playing particular games with podcast or music and that sort of thing, you found this yeah, a fantastic game to play while listening to other things as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's the kind of game where the sound is not so important to the game that you can't do without it. And even when I wasn't listening to podcasts with it, a lot of the time I was playing, you know, at not during work, but during a break time at work where I didn't really want to have the sound really loud and bother everyone around me, so I'd just be playing it quietly. Mm. But when I'm at home, I can just chuck a podcast on, and I love that kind of game where you can play it, enjoy it, but also be concentrating on a podcast or music or something in the background, which I
0: couldn't do to begin with, but they updated the game midway through the week to allow it, so mm. that was lovely. Yeah, I mean, I I agree in terms of, like, the the sound design for Grindstone isn't necessary to, you know, enjoy the game because it is such a well designed game and mm. feels satisfying to play. But that being said, what they have done with the sound design is is quite good. It does create a good satisfying uh sort of tangible feedback to slaying all these enemies and slaying all yes. these things. Uh, and also the, uh, the soundtrack, I found that really, really catchy. And um, I'm just picturing, you know, the, these are some sort of lo-fi hip-hop beat sort of thing that, you know, you'd enjoy chilling out to on YouTube, know, uh, mm. a YouTube playlist or something like that. And, um, you know, I was playing it and I was just picturing you spitting some fire rhymes to, <laughs> to these, you know, sick beats along the way. Cause lo-fi beats to slice enemies too yeah absolutely yeah feet steve impson so Hell yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> but the the really cool thing i found with grindstone that made it really appealing to me is that so once you've cleared a whole bunch of enemies uh and you know some of these grindstones or other items are dropped you don't actually have to backtrack and collect all of them individually mm. you you can just once you've met the quota for the level to continue on you can then just go through the exit and you know the items that you have unlocked by you know destroying chests or that sort of thing whatever bonus requirements uh, were required to you know have some of these items drop you don't have to waste time going back and collecting them you can go through the exit and they'll automatically collect which i found really really nifty for you know creating nice you know crisp and brisk p- pacing to keep going gosh i wish i'd worked that out while i was playing cuz as the longer <laughs> you play the harder it gets
1: sort of the more yes. more turns you take the more difficult the enemies will become the more of them will start attacking you and so, yeah, I thought I had to go back for everything, which made it more difficult to get back to the exit. So I made things hard for myself. But I did like that you could upgrade your gear and things as well. When you're mm. collecting all of these extra items, you can get like a shield, you can get new abilities to attack things around you or to jump to a new space. It's yeah, It really adds some depth to what is already a reasonable... It's a simple to understand, but uh, yeah, quite deep game mechanic. And you get all these extra things gradually laid on, which makes it...
0: Yeah, it stops it from becoming stale if it ever could. Yeah, absolutely. So we unanimously recommend you go and play Grindstone if you haven't already. And I believe I neglected to mention who was behind the game. So oh, I'll just I'll just throw that in now. So Grindstone, fantastic puzzle game developed by Cappy, short for Capybara Games. So they. Quite a talented bunch, uh, if Grindstone is anything to go by. And uh, with that, we've reached the end of this episode of the Mobile Arcade Club, which leaves us with the all-important task of setting what the next Fortnite games are going to be. Certainly so, does. so Stephen, shall I let you do the honours? Sure.
1: Well, we've been yeah had a little bit of a discussion. We think we will go with Card of Darkness, which is a collaboration with Zach Gage and Pendleton Ward, the creator of... Uh, Adventure Time, which just got lost in my brain somehow. So that should be an interesting one.
0: Interesting collaboration. Um,
1: The the Pinball Wizard, which I know you'd mentioned on our very first episode and had me keen for it, which is why I brought it up now. And um, yeah, Down in Bermuda, which I've heard some rumblings about, but I think you you
0: were the one that suggested this. Yeah, I'm really keen to play Down in Bermuda. Bermuda because it's developed by Yak & Co, uh, another Australian studio. So I think so far we've tried to focus uh, at least one game per episode on our uh, Australian friends, uh, being the Aussies that we are. And this one is the the next game from Yak & Co after they've finished their episodic uh, sort of point-and-click puzzle adventure, puzzle... Um, Oh, uh, Agent A, uh, ah. a puzzle in disguise. I almost forgot the name. So, uh, but yes, so Agent A, puzzle in disguise, was really, really well done, really well designed, and came out on a bunch of platforms just a month or two ago. And the follow up down in Bermuda is a little bit sort of puzzly and adventury in nature, and looks absolutely lovely. I think you have a little duck companion, so I think that's a selling point. You've sold any. me. I'm I'm a big fan of the duck. They're lovely creatures. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you uh, to all our listeners once again for joining us on the Mobile Arcade Club and we'll see you next time. We sure will. See you around. Hey, arcade friends. Thanks for listening to the Mobile Arcade Club. If you enjoyed our shenanigans, please consider subscribing, leaving a review on your platform of choice and sharing the podcast with your friends. Also, you can follow Mobile Arcade Club on Twitter at Club, where we'll keep you updated on what we're up to. Make sure to play along and send us your thoughts, questions and feedback, especially those relating to how Stephen is such a nice young man. See you next episode.